may be seated. While the Lord is walking around, that he wouldn't pass us by. I think that song was maybe born out of a, a prison um, or a revival meeting. I forget the exact story, but uh, Fanny Crosby, who's one of my favorite writers, uh, wrote the words to it. <clears throat> well, I've been encouraged as well this morning. I heard some testimonies from different people. They've been encouraged. I've been happy to be here. It's just good to worship with others who love the Lord. It's so good to have God's word with us. The Lord has been working in my heart <clears throat> from Psalm 33 today. The title of the message is Psalm 33. So if you'll turn, we'll enjoy this psalm together. This psalm may have been written by David. Some of the psalms, it'll say on the top, written by David or written by Moses. This one, uh, it's not real clear who wrote it, but the thought certainly goes with some of, other Dave, some of other, David's other psalms. It's a psalm that calls us to praise the Lord, to rejoice in the Lord, to trust in the Lord. On my King James Bible, it says at the top, the Lord provides and delivers. The New American Standard says, praise to the creator and the preserver. <clears throat> and this is a, a message that I really, really need to uh, live a life that's according to the purpose that God has for me. The purpose God has for me is the same purpose he has for everyone else. And that is that we would live a life that brings glory and honor to him. We were created for the purpose of living a life of praise and glory to God. <clears throat> I divided the uh, psalm into three parts. The first section, rejoice in the Lord or praise the Lord, praise him, verses 1 through 7. <clears throat> and then the middle part, I've titled respect the Lord or fear the Lord. That's verses 8 through 18. And then the second part of verse 18 to the end, rely on the Lord or trust the Lord. So we'll mainly be focusing on these three things. Praise him, fear him, and trust him. Let's stand together for the reading of the word. Psalm 33. <clears throat> Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right. And all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth, by the breath of his mouth. He gathered he gathereth the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depths in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people 
whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike, he considereth all their works. There is no king save by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Father, we just thank you for this little prayer we've just prayed. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Just thank you, Lord, for your word. Pray that we could love it more and understand it better and live it out in the days ahead. We just thank you and praise you most of all for your wonderful son, Jesus, and what he has done and is doing for us. Just pray you'll meet our needs here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I've been so blessed thinking about a Bible class that took place a number of years ago. It was probably two or three hours long, and it was an Old Testament survey. And I wish I could have been in the class, but I hope someday to get a rerun of it. It's recorded in Luke 24, 27. The teacher of the class was Jesus. The, the setting was not really a classroom, but it was a road, the Emmaus Road, and Cleophas and another man were walking seven miles, and Jesus, I think, was with them for most of those seven miles. He, he came up behind them, and he started surveying the Old Testament. So he was not only the teacher, but he was the subject of the lesson. And it says in Luke 24, 27, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded unto them, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. One thing that's helped me in reading the Bible that I'll pass on to you that probably many of you know is that in studying the Bible, especially the Old Testament, it's very helpful to ask the question, where is Jesus in this passage? Where is Jesus in this story? There's some stories where it's pretty clear, like uh, in the creation story, the first story, Jesus is there creating, and there's a bunch of verses in this psalm about Jesus as the creator, speaking the word. And throughout Genesis, there's, there was Moses. I guess he was at the end, or well, he was Exodus, but Moses in Exodus um, delivering the people out of Egypt. Uh, Abraham offering his son and then finding a substitute ram in the bushes. Joseph providing bread for the whole world. But there's, there's a, I don't know how many of those stories Jesus went over, but it says, beginning at Moses, that would be at Genesis, and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the thing concerning himself. So somehow in that two-hour lesson, he just pulled one story out after another and said, this was the Messiah in this story. And they didn't realize it till later that he was the one teaching them. And so... As we have today Jesus as our teacher through the Holy Spirit, we can uh, gain much insight 
and much excitement, much encouragement in our lives as we look into the Old Testament and see Jesus. So in this psalm, I think we see Jesus as the one worthy of our worship. We see him as the creator. We see him as the one who's high and mighty that we should fear and we should respect and we should stand in amazement of. And we should trust because it's only by faith that we are saved. It is by grace through faith in Jesus. So we're going to think about praising Jesus, respecting Jesus, and relying on Jesus. So let's get started in the first seven verses. Praise the Lord. So it's Jesus we're praising. Who should be praising the Lord? Who should be rejoicing? The righteous, those who've been washed in the blood of Christ, made clean in Jesus' blood. That's you and I who've trusted in him. We are created by him and for his glory. Uh, This uh, activity of ours of praising the Lord is very fitting. It says in the King James, it's comely. A number of other translations uh, use the word fitting. Uh, Or we could say becoming. I think the comely and the becoming probably fit together. Some things really go together well. And a Christian praising the Lord just fits beautifully. You know, in the natural world, there's things that fit together well. Bacon and eggs yesterday morning fit together very well uh, at our house. Just perfectly well. But bacon and ice cream. Anybody ever find that fit together well? Probably none of us have ever even tried it. But ice cream and cake, that fits together very well, especially in the evening. Uh, Yeah, I appreciate you. And, you know, clothing. Food and clothing are things we think about a lot. I don't think about the clothing very much. And there's been a few times I went to work where I got up early or whatever, and and at work uh, some of the people would say, now you didn't, Diane didn't see you before you left the house today, did she? And I work with a fellow who has color deficiency. He has red-green deficiency, so his wife always makes sure he's color-coordinated. I don't have that excuse, but, you know, spiritually, this thing of fitting together, praise, a smile, an encouraging word, giving glory to God fits a Christian. And we're really uh, often, I, I'm speaking of myself, a poor testimony when, when I'm not praising the Lord, when I'm worrying, complaining, uh, and I, I do struggle with, with this uh, encouragement from the Scripture. And we can't do it in our own strength. We need God to change our hearts and to put his song and his joy in us. So who should rejoice? We should. We're created to do that. Unhappy Christians are... Uh, we, when we're unhappy Christians, we are just not doing what we're supposed to be doing, praising the Lord. So then verse 2 and 3, how should we rejoice? This might be, to some people, the controversial, uh, a controversial part of this psalm, especially the last part of verse 3. Uh, maybe at your house you've had some controversy on that. How loud should be the praise? Uh, And I don't want any children or young people here to uh, get the idea that uh, the the sermon said you should play your music as loud as it can be played. Uh, But it does say we should praise God out loud, loudly. Uh, There's a sense of singing loudly. There's a sense, uh, as I 
tried to understand the Hebrew text, and I don't understand the Hebrew language, but the different Bible uh, dictionaries and translations, it seems it says sing loudly, also says play loudly. And so we are to let it be heard. Now God is a God of quietness and, and of sound. And you remember with Elijah, Elijah didn't hear God except in the still, small voice. It wasn't in the thunder, even though God made the thunder. It wasn't in the storm. But I think the point, to, to me, the point that is not controversial is that God wants us to express this praise to him because he is so worthy. He is so worthy of praise. So, <clears throat> and we're to do it as skillfully as we know how. I, I never really had formal p piano lessons, but my mom showed me a few keys, and I watched a few other people. And and um, one, of, some of you know, one of my most favorite hobbies is to go to the nursing home and play the piano because those people think I can play well, <laughs> or at least they've lived long enough. They they usually will save their comments to themselves. But there is just such encouragement in playing and singing about Jesus and encouraging, it encourages me more than encourages them. And so playing skillfully and doing our best at whatever we do is, is really important for God's glory. I think it was Anthony Berger, one of the, he's a late uh, piano player who uh, played very skillfully and he said he, he felt God wanted him to play in such a way that he put the words out there where people could hear him. And so I tried that last week. I had opportunity to, to play a few songs at the nursing home, and we, we were singing and playing a few. And, and then I said, okay, the next song, I'm going to play it, and we'll see who can guess it first. And so I played a song that I played many, many times. I played it as carefully as I could. I tried to put the words out there. Do, 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 do. And that's as far as I went, and the lady said, Amazing Grace. And it made me feel happy. It made her happy that she guessed it so quickly. We sang, sang the song, It is Amazing, God's Grace, that he would save us, isn't it? And so, who should rejoice? That's us. How should we rejoice with music, with singing, with a new song? Maybe somebody here needs to be writing. Maybe... I should, I've tried to write a couple songs. I, neither of them really went anywhere, but maybe, maybe in this year, maybe this is the year we should be writing a new song. Play skillfully, sing skillfully, sing loudly. And then why? I already mentioned it's because God is so worthy to be praised, beginning with verse 4. His word is true. He is true. He's a God of truth and righteousness. He's a creator He's a commander. He's the counselor. And on and on we could go through his attributes. But I think we need to stop right now and praise the Lord together with a song. And it's one of my very favorite songs. It's also by Fanny Crosby. It's number 16 in the life song. Let's stand and praise the Lord together. Thank you. 
Thank you, Brother Joe. Thank you all for joining in. Great things he has done. Our praise here is so imperfect, but someday it'll be purer, greater, higher when Jesus we see. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, Psalm 145.3. His greatness no one can fathom. Who can list the glorious miracles of the Lord? Who can ever praise him enough? Psalm 106, 2. <clears throat> Psalm 96, 4 says, For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. That leads us to the second part of this psalm. Psalm 33, verse 8. The Lord is to be feared this fear <clears throat> is a good fear. Most fear that we deal with is not a good fear. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is what we need, the proper respect of the Lord. So verse 8, who is to fear the Lord? Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. God is so amazing, <clears throat> he is to be praised, but he is to be feared. He's to be respected. We should stand back in amazement and, and look at our creator and look at what he's done. 
The NIV says, let all the people of the world revere him. A reverence for the Lord. I need that a whole lot more in my life, to have a proper reverence and respect for the Lord. Uh, a proper fear of the Lord will help us with all our other fears. I don't know what your top two or three or four fears would be if you would list them, but we all have fears. We have things where we're afraid of things in the future, maybe things today, things that might happen. The fear of man brings a snare, the Bible says. We fear people, we fear situations. Maybe you fear what's going to happen with the government, with the economy. But we don't need to fear if we have Jesus and if we have a proper respect for him. In fact, in 1 John, that wonderful verse says, Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear hath torment. But he that loves God perfectly uh, has that fear removed. And it doesn't happen all at once. It's a process. It's a day-by-day day growing in our love for him and letting his Holy Spirit work with our, our needs. And we have a lot of needs. So this message was a great encouragement to me in my fears. And as we look at God, how big he is, it can help us with our fears. We already talked about how he's our great, righteous, truthful God of judgment and justice, creator, commander, counselor. <clears throat> but there's some more here after verse 8 about who the Lord is and what he has done. What, what other attributes of God stand out to you as you look at these verses? How about uh, in 10 and 11? God is all-knowing. In fact, he sees it all, doesn't he? He's all-knowing. That's 10 and 11. And then I guess 13 and 14 is where I was thinking he sees it all. 13 and 14, he's all-seeing. In fact, 13 and 14 are both uh, verses that read the same, just with different, different words. 13 is, The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. And 14 is, From the place of his habitation, that would be heaven. He looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth, that would be all the people. So God is all-knowing, he's all-wise, he's all-seeing. He's all-powerful. 16 and 17 talks about muscle strength and horsepower. And God is, isn't impressed with those. In fact, it's not the strength of a horse or the fast legs of a man that impresses God, but it's those hearts that are turned toward him, those who are looking to him in faith. God's eye sees everyone and everything. But God has special vision, special grace, special favor, special help for those who are looking up to him in faith. That's in verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. I'm so glad that God is looking my way with favor. One time I was in a service where the, the minister was preaching on God's grace and favor. And I thought about doing that here, this, what he did here this morning. I'm not sure uh, how you would feel about it, but at one point he said, 
after he convinced us that we were highly favored because of Jesus and what God has done, he said, look at the person next to you and say, I am highly favored. And then after a bit, he said, look at the person next to you and say, you are highly favored. Well, I'm here to say that to you, and you can say it to each other now or later. It's encouraging to know that God is favoring us. God is giving grace to us. He's giving help to us. And that's what this verse says, 18. Behold the eye of the Lord. This is an eye of favor, of grace. To do all these things that the rest of the chapter talks about, to deliver our soul from death, to keep us alive in famine, to provide for our needs to be our help, our shield, our protector. And when we think about God and we look at God as a God who loves us and gives us that kind of favor, it should make our hearts rejoice. In fact, did you notice in verse 21, he's ending by saying, our hearts are rejoicing because we're thinking about you. You know, when I think about myself a lot, it gets pretty discouraging. But when I start thinking about God and all his goodness... I start to have faith and courage. So there's some real blessing to uh, making this kind of chapter practical and saying, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord, even if I don't feel like it. This week, Diane and I had opportunity to sit with a, a friend of ours who went through a very difficult 2012 <clears throat> with suffering some losses, misunderstandings, very difficult year. But part of he had he, he shared with us just a beautiful testimony of how God carried him and helped him and limited the temptations, protected him. And um, one of the turning points was when he got to the point he was able to thank God for what he was going through. And he said the, the discouragement and the despair seemed to lift because... God inhabits the praise of his people. So when we crank up a song, when we start whistling, when you start banging on your piano or however you make noise to the Lord, uh, it does something for us to lift our spirits. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to praise him. He wants us to fear him. And he wants us to trust him, rely on him. The rely on him, uh, I think that was in the NIV, it, it used the, uh, the phrase rely. But some of the other phrases here are hope in his mercy. We're now in the last section. Verse 18 ends by those that hope in his mercy. The eye of the Lord is looking to help them. <clears throat> Our soul is waiting in verse 20, waiting in hope for the Lord, knowing that he's going to help us, he's going to protect us. We have trusted in his holy name. That's verse 21. And then the, the psalm ends with a prayer. The last verse kind of sits by itself as a prayer. The first 21 verses are uh, the psalmist encouraging us and we encouraging each other to trust the Lord, to respect him, to praise him. I thought of a little chorus we learned one time. It's kind of a simple chorus, but I thought maybe we could sing it here before we uh, sing another song uh, about trust. It's a, little, it's a little chorus that goes, Trust him, 
praise him, love him. You can put all kinds of different words in it. Some of you might know it. And by the time we get on the second verse, you'll be singing along. So let, let's start with praise him. Praise him, praise him. Praise him in the morning, praise him at the noontime. Praise him, praise him. Praise him when the sun goes down. Fear him, fear him, fear him. Fear him in the morning, fear him at the noontime. Fear him, fear him, fear him when the sun goes down. Trust him, trust him, trust him in the morning, trust him at the noontime. Trust him. Trust Him, trust Him when the sun goes down. Love Him, love Him, love Him in the morning, love Him at the noontime. Love Him, love Him. Love him when the sun goes down. And the last little story I have is, goes with the song 216 in the Life Songs. This was a song written by L Louisa Stead. She was born in 1850 in England. <clears throat> she became a Christian at the age of nine. She felt a burden to become a missionary in her teen years. When she was 21 or so, she moved to the United States. And the Lord really impressed her at a revival meeting that she should go into mission work. And so China was the place that she made plans to go, but then it didn't work out. Her, her health failed, and she was much too frail to go to China. So it was very disappointing. She then married a man named, uh, his last name was Steed or Stead, I'm sorry. But, but shortly thereafter, perhaps around 1879, her husband drowned off the coast of Long Island. There's different stories that uh, go with the drowning. Some say he saved their four-year-old daughter. Some say he tried to save a little boy and they both drowned. But somehow she was left a widow with a young child. And she tried to, I guess, put her life together. I don't have details of what happened in the next little while, but, but a few years later with her young daughter, somehow the Lord opened up the door that she went to Africa. They went to Africa as a missionary. And it was probably there in South Africa for 15 years. At least that was the account I read that she wrote this song, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." Later, her health failed, and they came back to the United States. And then her health improved, and at the age of 50, um, she uh, went to another uh, area of Africa, Rhodesia, in 2001. And there she wrote, in connection with the mission, there are glorious possibilities 
but in unbelievable difficulties, which make us say, who is sufficient for these things? But with simple confidence and trust, we may say and do say that our sufficiency is of God. She died in 1917, the age of 67. But her song lives on, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." And I ask Brother Joe if he'll lead that as our closing song. But maybe before we have that, let's, let's stand together and pray. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, we just thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for giving us your word, the written word. Thank you for Jesus, the living word. Thank you how he makes the written word come alive because he is the grand subject of your word. Thank you that we can believe in him. And we pray that we would have grace to trust him more, serve him better. Father, you know the needs in our heart here this morning. You know the fears, you know the sins, you know the difficulties. You know what lies ahead this year. And we just commit our lives and our futures to you. We just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat>